Round one, fight. Heroes never die. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite store on the Citadel. <laughs> I used to be an adventurer like you. Then I took an arrow in the knee. Power, sex, sex, power. They both come down to one thing. Hungry Gamers. Hello, 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 and welcome, boys and girls, to the 281st episode of the Hungry Gamers Podcast. We are powered by Apit.net and those sexy, sexy legends over at Audio Technica. I'm your extremely humble host, Brendan White. You can find me just about everywhere at Brendan 8-Bit. And joining me, as per usual, as is tradition, my podcast ride or die, the junk rat to my roadhog. You can find her on them socials, at Miss Ally Hart. Miss Ally Hart, how body are you? Doing good, doing good. Representing Australia, apparently, which is good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, some some dotted lines to something you may or may or not have been playing. I thought I'd try and be clever and synergize in that regard. And, and yeah, Roadhog, Junkrat, why not? Makes sense. Why not? Mm, but I think you're like a Zenyatta main. Was that who I, used to roll yeah, back in the day? Yeah, like I, I actually, like Loki was always a Junkrat main. And I still do run Junkrat, don't get me wrong. Um, but yeah, I started like branching out. And yeah, I I, I, I really d- tapped into some characters that I didn't think I would actually enjoy. But Did you play May as well? I think you played a bit of May. I played a bit of May at the start, but then I didn't. I yeah, I didn't really like her play style. So and Reinhardt, I was actually a pretty good Reinhardt main. Nice, so. nice. Look at us trying to sound hip and up to date with the Overwatch metas from from half a decade plus ago. There are but, like uh, ten yeah. characters I don't know about. <laughs> <laughs> Who the hell yeah, is I that? Just, I pulled up the character listing before the podcast to see what's been going on, and there's there's names there, and I'm like, who? What? Yeah, it's it's wild. Like, so if you haven't figured it out yet, I played the Overwatch two beta this week. Yeah, um, let's 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 start there. Let's dive into that. Tell tell me how it was. I haven't played a second of it. I mm. saw maybe five minutes of game time and stuff circulating on the socials, but that's where it ends for me. So fill me in. I gotta say, completely honest, like it just feels like Overwatch, and that's I guess nor bad nor great because like it didn't feel broken and I had the same amount of fun that I used to have with the game which was nice it was kind of good to get that experience but in the same sense it really didn't feel too different to I guess earned the two <laughs> onto it um so it just felt like a just generic classic overwatch um there was like an extra mode in there the one where they had been showing it earlier off where there's like a robot to control and mm-hmm. if the team holds holds the control of the robot it you know continues to push towards the opposing player's side until you know it makes it there or it's made enough distance within the time frame which was interesting it was actually it was pretty good but I don't know. There, there were, the map that we played, it felt like if you were on one side, it felt like you were just guaranteed to lose. But that could be just a player thing. <laughs> Nothing to yeah. do with the mode. Yeah. So uh, after your time with this beta, mm. are you excited for the full version of Overwatch 2 to come out in 2022? Question mark? Asterix? Because obviously they still don't have a fixed date on this game. No. Uh, no, I'm not 
excited for Overwatch 2. Like, I wouldn't say this beta has made me excited for an Overwatch 2. However, it has made me kind of want to go back just to play Overwatch. Okay. Um, which isn't a negative. It might be essentially what they're trying to do is just smack a two on there just to rekindle, um, like, you know, the passion from, like, past players that have probably left the game franchise and just to bring them all back, I guess. Um, which I, I saw a lot, a lot of my timeline, a lot of old people that used to play way back when jumping back in and all of us kind of having to relearn our, our characters and move sets and map points and all that sort of business and playing a few modes. And there was a few maps that may not, I personally wouldn't know if they were new to Overwatch 2 or if they were just new and I hadn't played since but there were a lot of maps there where I was running around and I had no idea where health <laughs> boosts were so um but I was good it was just nice playing Overwatch again it reminded me why I loved playing it in the first place mm, it was very like for its at its time in in 2016 when it sort of came out it was sort of one of the only like hero squad based shooters of that current gen like obviously we've had different games like um yeah since prior and after but um yeah it, it sort of stood stood apart at the time and it was yeah a ton of fun and vibrant and big and large and life characters and all that and then the hero abilities was a nice point of difference but it's it's interesting to see that it's that it's held up you know, five to six years later now where we're finally seeing this beta of the second iteration and it feels more of the same and, and i don't think that's a bad thing at all like anyone that i guess loved overwatch will love too you'd say yeah well i mean like one of the changes was that they you know bumped off a player um remember that like i think it was like a team of six right it was six mm -hmm. on six and now it's five on five can't say i noticed a difference i didn't feel any extra struggle or any like any missing pieces um within a team dynamic uh, and they also, I don't know, I'm pretty certain this is an Overwatch 2 thing, where they now request you to kind of establish what um, like what kind of player you would be if you're going to be a healer or if you're going to um, provide like support um, or like assault. You Before you load into games, you kind of say like what you're interested in and it will actually give you a timestamp, especially if you're running in solo, of saying like, well, if you want to be a healer, you'll get into a game quick because clearly not a lot of people want to play healers or whatever. So it's like you'll load, you know, you'll load into a map in under two two sec two minutes or whatever but then if you want to play like assault it's like oh, you've got you've got like a 10 10 minute wait mm. I, so. I like that concept because that way you're going to have a good team makeup to, well, to yeah. do the best possibly you could on that battlefield as opposed to having yeah back in the day when it was free reign and you could have just five assault really if you wanted to now they're sort of saying no you need to have a healer or a tank or a support or whatever you want to classify certain archetype as to make sure you've got a, a build that's going to be sustainable and, and be more positive than negative. Yeah. I, and it's, yeah, it's pretty good to kind of force you with those established roles. Um, there were moments where I, like I did put myself as available as healer, but like I kind of wanted also to kind of wreck shop a little bit, but I was finding myself mostly in position as healer in most games. So um, yeah. So I mean that was something it wasn't problematic and it was actually good experiences too I do think I left Overwatch because of maybe a bit of the toxic 
community like you'd run into games and the you know either the voice chat or the little chat dialogue in the corner would be going off with really bad attitudes Mm -hmm. and such but during this beta it was nothing but good experiences very friendly yeah that's good i'll have to um like no doubt we're going to get a couple of other beta uh openings and and sort of weekend runs or you know midweek sessions so maybe one of these future ones i'll have to jump in and give it a look because uh yeah i i enjoyed my time God, how many years ago I played it last. And mm. um, if it sounds like it does, it's going to be familiar and uh, that good old comfort food that everyone likes to snack on. So, uh, yeah, I'll jump in and play here. I've probably never heard of, but uh, yeah, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah. 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 So, so I've also seen where we're on the um, what's old as new nostalgia train again this week in regards to another shooter. And that is uh, you and I still trudging around the battle bus <laughs> arena <laughs> with Fortnite, and uh, i also saw you picked up your first solo win yes i was absolutely ecstatic like i've got to be honest like i'm not great at first person shooters especially in battle royales like i like to think i can hold my own especially in a team environment but in solos like i i'm just i'm just i just want a participation you know medal essentially i'm just there to have fun um and I had a few experiences of being within, like, I guess the top five, which, you know, it's it's a little frustrating, especially when you're in the last two and getting snipered from someone just watching everything from afar. Uh, but to actually, you know, aggressively go into a battle royale and, you know, not hide away and, you know, approach fights and actually or instigate fights and such to get some actual, you know, kills on your number and then actually win it. Um, it was good. It was actually really cool. Um, this no build mode has, um, it's been a really good experience. So it's been nice to kind of, uh, you know, change my opinions overall on Fortnite. And I guess, <laughs> I guess like kind of like how much I kind of like, not poo-pooed it essentially, but kind of just didn't care for it nor gave it much to stand on because how it used to be played wasn't for me. But now... yeah. It's a lot yeah. of fun. And, and and that's that's the universal feeling. Like I, I mirror that sentiment and I, I sort of had a good session last night with um, McDad and Stevie Jar and uh, and Cappy and we were rolling a squad of four for quite a few hours last night and, and they're of that same mindset too where they, they tried Fortnite on release and the building and everything was just not their cup of tea like I yeah. think a lot of people in our, in our lane. And playing last night, they were like, this is awesome. When are we going to play again? This is so much better. No building means more fun, means more accessibility. And it just gives an overall additional layer of enjoyment. And um, yeah, we, we took home five crowns during our sessions nice. last night. We were on a bit of a roll. It was a good feeling. And um, it's just a good time. It's yeah, a good it time. Is. It, it like it genuinely is a good time and like even just rolling into maps and being like I've mentioned in that pregame lobby and everyone's just kind of like showing their moves or just chilling out and you know just hanging out kind of thing even even that's pretty cool and um I gotta say it's pretty uh anxiety inducing because I don't know what it means when you load into a game with a crown that means you won the match prior, so it means that you're a you're a big dog, but also it means you can periodically be pinged on the map. So you can, people right? Will know. Yeah. 
yeah so they'll be gunning for that crown because obviously if you win while carrying a crown so if you get a back-to-back or you get the win from somebody else it means that uh you you get an additional like layer of oomph and prestige to your emoting so because you can do the do the um do the emote where you sort of have the pillow with the crown and it shows how many of the, the you could say double crown base wins you've got so it's a bit of, a bit of swag a bit of, see, bit of a, a bit of a see. flex okay that makes sense now because like i loading into a game with the crown and seeing my character's head glow i'm like this is imposter syndrome right now i don't want anyone to think that i have any ability in here like Luckily, uh, someone out there didn't feel too threatened by me, so that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like it's just super fun. Like I know we've been harping on this for a couple of weeks now, but it is really fun. And anyone that didn't enjoy it at launch, the building wasn't for them. If you're looking for something that's fun, that's free to play, that's just this blender of pop culture over stimulation. Like oh, yeah. it is super, super well done. Like. I know we're sort of trying to almost be the, the hip hip parents or the hip old people now where we've sort of yeah poo-pooed on this for so long and now we're like, it's great, come join us. Like it genuinely is serious amounts of fun and it's a great little little time killer. Just a good little distraction. You can get in a couple of games super quick. You can get some wins. You can have some laughs and the, the cross-play connectivity is phenomenal. Yeah, it's pretty flawless. We have yet to have like any issues or any stuttering within our our, our sessions where we team up. So it's been really yeah. good. That's it. Like yeah, playing playing abroad, like you're in the US and I'm here in the AU, no no connection issues, no party chat comms issues. Then locally here where I was playing, you know, last night where I'm on Xbox and everyone else is on PC and same when I was playing with you, no issues at all. Super seamless, epic have done really, really well in that regard. So, uh, yeah, no doubt we'll sort of be uh, sprinkling further love and praise on this over the coming months. Uh, the the store, the store's getting me, Miss Hart. Though I am, uh, I'm uh, V Bucks and like no one's business. I've got. Uh, Did you get the Street nice Fighter ones? I haven't bought the Street Fighter ones yet. It's I was close cool. last night. Yeah, with Sakura and Blanca there, but mm. I'm like, you know what? I don't know if I need it. I don't know if I need it. I mean, do you need any of them? Um, but the Blanca one, like, I got, <laughs> I got to be honest, like, just jumping in a lobby and then hanging out with a Blanca in a suit and him yeah. just, like, doing, like, a dance at me. I'm like, I'm down. And there's a cute little, like, backpack toy Blanca. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think if you kill someone, it does the electrocuting Blanca. Oh, really? Yeah. So Don't tell me that. It means I'm going to have to buy it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, it's oh. pretty cute. It's pretty <laughs> cool. And him doing um, his little victory dance, like his little bounce and back front flip. flip, black flip, black back flip. Back flip. Was it a front flip or a back flip? I think it's the back because he sort of kicks. Yeah, there's like that move where he does the jump in the air and also like kicks as he whips around. I yeah. Think. And the music plays too, so that's pretty cool yeah. as well. Oh, as, it's expensive that. though, like... I think the amount of money it costs for these things, it's it's an investment. Yeah. I, I got suckered in and bought like the, the the anime themed like triple pack one that was doing the rounds this week one, with yeah. the three anime girls. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's dangerous. It's dangerous, Miss Hart. It is a slippery, slippery V Bucks shaped slope, but mm. um 
it's good fun. It's good fun. And something else I've been playing, I can't dive too heavy on it at the moment because it's not out. So I'm going to skirt the embargo and, and not say anything that I'm not meant to. But mm-hmm. I've been playing Track to Yomi as well this, this week. Uh, it's done by Flying Wild Hog and then um, published by our good friends and just everyone's friends in the industry, Devolver Digital. Best. You know, they, they don't usually put their hands to things that aren't fantastic. And, and this game has been really, really fun. I've been playing on the Xbox Series X and uh, we've got that sort of side-scrolling samurai adventure game, you could say. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really good. Like the... The combat is simple but deep as far as different different combos and different sort of slash styles you can do with your blade. The, the enemies can run roughshod through you. It's, it's got a bit of a steep learning curve where if you're not careful, you can get cut down pretty quick. But um, it's just from a... From sort of a visual standpoint, this game is extremely cinematic. It's it's completely shot in black and white. Anyone that's watched any type of, of samurai film over the last many, many, many decades would would sort of play this game and feel very familiar with like a Kurosawa film mm. from from you know yesteryear. And it's super slick, super polished. The the soundtrack is great. The the voice work it's all done in Japanese, so it's it's all all subbed. There's no dub option that I could see, but also I didn't want to pivot to um, a dub with it as well because I wanted to get more of that uh, immersion and more of that um, feeling that, uh, you know, I was experiencing this this Japanese samurai-laden conflict. Uh, mm. the, the story is really cool. I like the characters. And I'm excited to talk more about this on our spoiler cast that's going to be coming out this coming week in parallel with the game releasing because it comes out on the 5th of May. But uh, yeah, John and myself are going to do a bit of a deep dive on Trek to Yomi and it'll be available on this RSS feed probably a couple of days after THG 281 drops. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a game. If you're looking for something new to play this week, I will be recommending this one very highly because the combat, even though it is simple and brutal, it's very rewarding and it looks so stylish and cinematic and it's just, it's really, really fun to play. And it's, it's been a good little sidestep from the Fortnite insanity to something that's a little bit more traditional and just oozes oozes cinematic experience so uh yeah more to come with trek to yomi this week spoiler cast available obviously with spoiler cast the first half of that episode it's going to be spoiler free so if you haven't played the game you can listen through and not have anything ruined as far as narrative and and big game hooks then in the back half we'll dive deep on that story and get into that nitty-gritty so i'm excited to talk more about trek to yomi this week with jp and something else i wanted to quickly touch on miss hart Uh, we both went and watched everything everywhere all at once yeah now i absolutely adored this movie this was written and directed by the the daniels as they're collectively known as and that's dan kwan and daniel shinett and um yeah it stars michelle yo and this was a visual spectacle in every sense of the word yeah. and i was all about everything that came on the screen here for that you know two hour plus runtime but you i don't think you mirror my sentiment exactly do you I, it's, it's a very it's a very like complex thing because i I liked it. I thought it was. I think. I think it, it was a good movie, and there was elements of it that I really enjoyed. Um, but I think the way that everyone was kind of putting it out there and selling it was that it was this masterpiece, like ten out of ten, nine out of ten, 
you know, movie. And I think, and I was kind of saying to you earlier before we started the podcast, is that the way that I kind of see it is that, like, did I put this towards what I consider a ten out of ten movie, like an like an alley ten out of ten movie? And it it didn't it didn't hit the that range. There was things about it that kind of like threw me off. I think I was expecting. I don't know what I was expecting, like, because I can't say that I was expecting more action because it was clearly action filled. But I think there were there was obviously a very emotional story attached to it. Um, mm-hmm. But I think by placing very emotional moments within this movie in this action packed movie, there was a lot of times where I wasn't able to gauge like my emotional pulse and where I was meant, what I was meant to be feeling where. And then there was like these like like emotional hurdles where it was like funny and then it was like deep cutting funny and it kind of like it kind of like threw me off so I there were moments where I know I was meant to be probably very upset and crying but like I almost like kind of didn't care yeah I'm, I'm with you like the the tone it hits like and there's some heavy emotional weight getting thrown around and avoiding spoilers what I'm going to say is then you get hot dog fingers that's all I'm yeah. going to say. And, and like, it make me laugh. But yeah, it sort of lessens some of the gut punch I get. guess you receive from yeah. some of the scenes that follow before and after that. Because like the action, the absurdity and then a heartfelt story, it's very possible to do. And the, the only thing that I could kind of like kind of reach out and kind of like kind of associate with it is like kind of um, the movie Kung Fu Hustle. I don't know how oh, many yeah. people have seen that movie, but that movie really has it has a heartfelt story. It has fun. It, like it's got comedy in it and it's got great action, but it's got a lot of absurdity into it as well. But it just it really blends really well. It's very cohesive. It's a great movie. If you haven't seen it, go see Kung Fu Hustle. Um, with this one though, I think there was there was a lot of stuff that they wanted to say, and by kind of pushing it all in there at once, <laughs> everything everywhere all title. at once. Um, <laughs> it kind of yeah. I I I think I was very hard to kind of latch onto something and like and understand the flow but don't get me wrong there was a lot of great things in it the 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 wacky absurd like action scenes a lot of the change um in environments and stuff was really good speaking of environments i'm all i'm gonna say is that it looked like they only had a budget for like a few (laughs) locations locations and to me it stood out um but like yeah, for, in in contrast to saying that, there was some great acting. There was some beautiful CG. There was some wonderful moments and good action. There was some really great fighting scenes and choreography and that. So. Some of the martial arts choreography was amazing. Yeah, and it was brutal. And then when they just threw in a certain certain um, object into the fight scene to add a little bit of humor or just insanity and zaniness to it at times, like. It had a chance to boil over and just become overly melodramatic and a bit of a parody, but I think they managed to tread that tightrope all the way to the end. Like, I was laughing, but then I was sad and happy, and I was feeling everything everywhere all at once watching this movie as well because the emotions were coming thick and fast in a whole heap of different tones, and I was all for I love this. Like, you're talking about nines and tens. I'm up there with that. I think this is one of the best movies I've seen in a good long time. So I'm um I'm I'm in in the vocal majority, I guess you could say here. But yeah. you know what? There's no right or wrong. Yeah, and like you know, I I definitely think I set myself up for 
maybe like I can't say disappointment but maybe maybe so I just I think in my brain I was setting myself up for a different kind of movie and while I got some of it it just it not all of it landed for me so I think maybe I was kind of let down in that sense so that's on me um but yeah overall it's it's not a nine and ten on my scale but it's it's still a great movie and I think you know I understand why I can understand why other people have enjoyed it and also probably felt very connected to the themes and everything that kind of goes on in the movie so yeah it's it's very very unique it's very unlike a movie that I can recall in the last how many years and and the way it handles the the multiverse uh mechanic in this it explains it in a way I think that is relatable I guess to people that are probably unfamiliar with that sort of science fiction trope or you know alleged fact or fiction depending on you know what rabbit hole we want to go down Mm -hmm. and i like how it sort of ties in that multiverse or that parallel universe dynamic and yeah i i loved it and yeah michelle yo was great and same as jamie lee curtis she was um a hoot on screen but yeah hot dog fingers (laughs) that's uh, (laughs) that got me that got me good but uh yeah, that, that sort of brings us to, to the end of what we've been up to. Quick bit of housekeeping. Obviously, if you wanted to support us monetarily, ko-fi.com forward slash we are 8-bit to support us. The low, low price of $1 per month gets you exclusive access to content, perks, giveaways, and more. If you want to get yourself some merchandise, shop8bit.net is your hub to get the best in 8-bit related swagger. We're talking tees, hats, hoodies, and everything else in between. Want to upgrade your audio game, audio-technica.com.au to get the best in audio-based equipment. We're talking headphones, microphones, gaming headsets, turntables, and everything else in between. So if you want it to sound as good as you ever have, get yourself a microphone. If you want to hear yourself sounding as good as you ever have, get yourself some nice headphones to accompany that because, uh, yeah, your audio game will thank you later. But Miss Hart, what do you think? We jump into some news. Let's do it. This week's news headlines. And the first uh, bit of news coming our way, Twitch, our evil purple overlords there on that streaming platform, is contemplating lowering the revenue share of its top creators as parent company Amazon pressures it to increase profitability, according to a recent Bloomberg report. Mm. The outlet cites people familiar with the matter as saying the streaming service is looking to scale back the amount of subscription fees the top partner Twitch streamers receive from their viewers from 70% down to 50%, effectively a 29% reduction in pay to the streamer. 50% is the standard for partnered streamers, Bloomberg notes, but Twitch had previously given the biggest creators a more favorable rate. As part of the change, streamers currently under an exclusivity deal with the platform may be released from that restriction and allowed to stream elsewhere. Beyond the reduced revenue share, Twitch is also considering incentivizing streamers to run more ads on their channels. So before we jump into that, I'm going to uh, drag last week's content back through in regards to are we thumbing up or are we thumbing down on this one? Mm. And uh, before we before we give our hot take, on this uh, this Twitch revenue reduction, just wanted to follow up from last week's question and let you know that a hundred percent of the social media vote regarding ads coming to free to play games went with a big old thumbs down. Mm. So everyone is against ads in free to play games. But um, what do you think about this? Where, what's your stance? Well, it was kind of sad to see um, a good majority of people because when they initially dropped this story. They were talking about how partnered streamers were getting the seventy, what was it seventy 
70% of the sub. Yeah, that's how much they were getting, yeah. And then, like, a lot of pa- other partnered streamers are like, you're getting 70? Like, um, as they were probably sitting, still sitting on the 50-50 split. So I, I don't I don't think it's great. Uh, I don't like so I don't also like that the different tiers in that other people get more than other people even though you're technically the same bracket. I think if you're going to get more than other people then maybe you should be put into an, another bracket as well. So people who are sitting as partnered don't feel like they're missing out on something because I don't know for whatever reason like it just it doesn't seem fair. Um, there, there, a lot of stuff came out, <laughs> like a lot of people came out to some realizations when this um, story broke. A lot of people found out that some streamers have a contact at Twitch that they can go to and other people are like, I, d- I don't have a contact. Like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> this, is, this announcement has probably put Twitch in more hot water than they anticipated. Um, the other thing is, uh, like the incentive, like putting more ads, I don't think it even was like encouraging the streamer to do more ads. I think it was Twitch themselves were going to push more ads. Um, and I think I mentioned it either last week or the week before this ad um, push, especially when you actually get a pre-roll ad before you even get to a stream. Um, it is the worst incentive for anyone to pick up new, uh, new viewers because if I want to just like try and find a new streamer and then I get like a, to ad roll or a long ad roll it, I'm like you know what I'm just going to go to a place where I'm not going to get that ad roll I'm going to I'm, I'm go the same with you on that I'm the same with you like if I'm on, on the odd occasion that I do jump on Twitch I'm like I want to want to watch something in the background as I do this and I'm invaded by ad on ad before I even see the stream I'm like yeah bugger this I'm out I'm going to the next one I'm going to roll that dice again because it just it derails any momentum or interest yeah. that I had from checking out that stream because I'm just getting force-fed these ads, like these predatory ads about this, that, and the other. I'm like, settle down. I just want to see this stream or this game or whatever. And so, yeah, they're 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 on a fine line here, old Twitch. Like, I think I'm thumbs up in in the way that if we can get more parity for the partnered streamers to get the same split, I think that's nice to see fair pay across across the streams as a whole. Like obviously some people will piss and moan uh, that might be already in the 70 and get might be scaled back to 50. Like that is that is a hefty amount of reduction. And if you're relying on this baseline of money coming in every month to pay your rent and bills and so on and so forth, that's, that's a big hole you've got to try and exactly. fill. So I, I understand there... But bringing the other people up to the same tier is is fine. I think that's fair because yeah, when you hear the term partnered, they're like in the in the broad scheme of things, it should be all one and the same, right? But yeah, you, you see these contracts, and I've seen a fair few of them. And not only is the the sub sub sort of percentages different, there's different types of revenue splits in the back end regarding x amount of ads paid. There's sign on bonuses that yeah. some get, and not others. Like. And I know not every streamer is the same. Some have a larger audience and, and need to be compensated accordingly to stay on said platform. So I know there's some other semantics going on in the back end, but yeah, it feels like the the disparity between streamer X and streamer Y now it's become a bit more public. Yeah, is getting talked about, and that's a good thing. You know, if we can get to equal pain, you know, equal levels of playing field here for everybody, I think that's a win ultimately. But 
I'm I'm a thumbs down in regards to Twitch just doing Twitch things and being a bit shady, but I'm a thumbs up hopefully that it's gonna um you know give hopefully give more to other streamers. But the ones oh God, I'm I'm up down round around. My thumbs going like you can't see it on video, but my hand is going up and down really fast here because actually I can't settle on one fixed up or down. I'm sort of depending on the section of this little bit of news, I'm up and then other bits I'm down. I don't know. I've I've ruined it. I, I'm sorry. I'm just going to put mine as a thumbs down. Um, I'm already against the more ads because I just think you're pushing more and more people away. I don't actually know what streamers get from ads. Um, I don't know if they get any money from rolling ads anymore. Uh, they can get a bit, but they can also have their their baseline retainers lowered if they don't run a certain amount of ads. Yeah, so, they, so in a lot of the contracts, you've got to have minimum um, minutes of ads per hour. And if you don't meet that quota every quarter, they can scale back your payments. Yeah. Well, see, that's just shit. And then also just like reducing reducing someone's pay, especially when we're in a climate where the cost of living just keeps on going up and the disparage of like the difference between like the cost of living going up and then people's pay or, you know, how much they, my income they can get to live. Um, not to mention that streamers, and I understand that becoming a streamer is something that you kind of elect into. It's a career choice that you make. But it doesn't, you know, deny the fact that, like, p- streamers, especially the ones that are definitely successful, and even those that are not defining by success, but these, like, people have a tendency just to be on, on, on working you know, being on stream for so many hours and just being present, being social, making videos and then their biggest fear is taking time off because then they see a sub drop and then when the sub drop happens, then they have to rearrange their lives on getting that, you know, that number back up and getting those numbers and getting the money and getting the pay and being able to live a, you know, a you know, live a living wage, not to mention in the States, then these people usually don't have health insurance or don't have access to like those kind of deductibles and they put their health at risk because they might not have the money to go out there and, you know, take care of things that need to be taken care of, nor taking a sick day. So it's, it, while it is a choice that some people make, and then I'm sure a lot of people probably consider it to be an easy one from certain angles, they're you've got to be a bit of like a bit, a bit human to understand that it isn't just all easy for everyone. Like obviously there's some out there that are making ridiculous numbers and money, but then there's, you know, there is a line of people who do sit in this 70% category who's trying everything they can to stream, be present, be a creator, be um, a person present for other people that some people maybe probably depend on a little too much, but you know, having this cut could mean a lot, a lot to them. So I'm, I'm I, all thumbs down. I completely down. agree. Yeah, I'm, I completely agree with you there. And off the back of that brilliant explanation, yeah, I'm, I'm a big hefty thumbs down as well. Like, uh, it's people's livelihoods, and if if Twitch is able to hear potentially just null and void contracts based off some little fine point archaic term that allows them to get a bit creative and and pull the wool out or pull the rug out and, and yeah, cut people's uh, reduction in pay down potentially up to 29%. That's that's like if my boss did that to me mm-hmm. in, in my job and they said, oh, sorry, 
you know, we're, we're going to change things around and you're going to be getting paid 30% less than uh, what was in your contract. I would be ropeable and also terrified and angry at the very same time. So yeah, hopefully the people out there that have been impacted by this are doing okay. And um, yeah, this, this might be a bit of a, a pivot back for Twitch where they realize that there's some blowback here and, and there's yeah, people's lives and health at stake and they do the right thing. But, uh, you know, with big corporate America, that is a doubt. So mm. we shall see. We shall see. But listeners, are you thumbs up or thumbs down regarding this um, shift here with Twitch? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Uh, myself and Ali, we both feel it's a bad thing. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll report back on this one over the coming coming weeks and, and see what comes of that. Uh, something else that's... Uh, out and about in the internet space, uh, Sony has confirmed it has removed the ability for existing PlayStation Plus subscribers to extend their subscription, blocking the ability for anyone to stack future membership via prepaid cards until the revamped service arrives in late June. This week, PlayStation Plus subscribers found they were unable to redeem prepaid voucher cards and extend their subscription time, even if it was about to run out. Bewildered customers were told the situation was, in quotes, temporary, but not given further explanation. Now Sony has updated its FAQ page for its upcoming PlayStation Plus changes and acknowledged the move and said that for now, you'll only be able to redeem prepaid vouchers you have bought after your current Plus membership expires. So there is a lot more information on that and you can jump onto the Sony website and, and dive deeper on the FAQs and, and see uh, what Sony have written in a more expanded um, aspect. But uh, yeah, people were just trying to get ahead of the, the PlayStation Plus tiers coming in June to save themselves a big chunk of cash. But Sony have said, whoa, slow your roll here. We uh, don't want to hemorrhage more money than we need to here and... Um, you know, we want to maximize that pay come come late June. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of a dodgy in a way. But at the same time, I get it because these new PlayStation Plus tiers are going to add a lot more value. So they don't want to, I guess, potentially like being robbed is probably too aggressive of a word. But, uh, you know, having themselves getting loopholed here out of the money that Sony would deem that they're owed is in their rights, but it is a bit shady because you've been able to stack PlayStation Plus subscriptions year on year on year for years. So it's something that people have been doing and Sony hadn't cared, but now suddenly because the subscription tiers are going up, they are starting to obviously concern about the, the wallet again. It's kind of funny like that they tried to take care of it in this sense. And based on the wording here in this um, article, they have even stopped if people are going to run out like before june they're going to run into issue if if, if i read that if i read that correctly which is not fair <laughs> that 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 is a that seems like a missed point there but um do you remember that um xbox game pass was doing this thing where i think if you were like trying to transfer over or if you were even like maybe just signing up for game pass for the first time it was a dollar mm-hmm and then yep, for the first 30 days. Yeah, and then some people found a crazy loophole where I think it was the same kind of thing that if you just like if you extended your Xbox Pass, not Game Pass, but your what was the Xbox Live? If you ex Xbox Live, yeah, yeah, if you extended your Xbox Live membership and then you bought like the 3-year plan one, what would happen is that you could just transfer that into a Game Pass for $1. Um, so people were finding loopholes on finding cheap 
three-year Game Pass. Uh, sorry, three-year Xbox, Xbox Live. Live. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. <laughs> and then transferring that into Game Pass for a, for a dollar for, you know, for the three years. Like, that was great value. And as far as I was aware, Xbox didn't do anything about it. They didn't, like, start, like, cutting the cord and cutting the cables on what people could do or not. It just seems like PlayStation's really just trying to push out this this subscription service. And I'm going to say there's been some fumbles. Once again, like talking about the overall service and whether there's value in it. Sorry, Australia, I've been reading about how much you guys don't have access to, but at least they're dropping prices, right? Yeah, the the pricing structure that came out this past week, it's it's palatable, and the the one the biggest positive on the pricing structure, not only just here in Australia but across the world, is you can. Uh, when when this new service goes live in in June-ish, when it will, starts to roll out in June, you can buy twelve months in one hit and save yourself like twenty five to thirty percent, I think, on the overall subscription. So mm-hmm. if you buy buy that twelve months in one instead of doing that monthly rolling subscription, you'll save yourself a good chunk of cash, which is something that uh, Xbox doesn't do. So that's a nice little little uh, caveat compared to Xbox with Game Pass. But um, yeah, it's still a bit still a bit exy, but it depends on what you're looking for, like. If you're one of these nostalgic gamers that want to go back and play the PlayStation games of yesteryear, then these new tiers of PlayStation Plus is perfect for you. But for me, where I'm I'm more of a looking forward gamer instead of a looking back gamer, like I'm not going to besmirch the good name of all these games we've played over the last decade mm. plus or two decades. That's great, but I don't have any inkling to go back and play siphon filter again or something like that i had a great time back then and if they bring a new one out i'll have a look but i don't want to go back and and see what gabe's been up to after all these years and deal with those lower polygon counts and what have you but there's a lot of people that love it and want to but i want those day one exclusives like on game pass so playstation needs to bring that out like there is the the couple of hours of demo you can get included in these subscriptions for new games so you can get a little taste a little little bit of video game cocaine in in the fingertips there but uh yeah no no full day one releases included in that pack which is for me that's what i love most about game pass yeah it seems a little bit rough to me but like i do understand that there is obviously a market out there that are very excited for this i'm 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 pretty certain like the you know head honchos and PlayStation definitely, you know, put out the feelers on like what PlayStation users specifically would want out of a service and crunch the numbers to match. So, yeah. But doing this kind of thing as well, just being like, oh, you can't add on so you can start from scratch for our new subscription service. I don't know. It seems like panic mode. And like I understand the whole thing about making a year's worth cheaper it's a great incentive, but it's very, very desperate to lock people into a year of something that they're still not 100% certain what they're getting. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like, um, I'll, I'll probably jump in on one of these tiers mm-hmm. and maybe just look at it for the first month or two. And then if, if I'm getting some value, maybe pony up yeah, and get a 12-month subscription. Yeah. But uh, it's interesting. But yeah, if, if anyone is with their existing PlayStation Plus 
expiring in the next month or so once it's expired you can re-up it from there it's just saying you can't re-up it like you can't get three keys that you get on a mad sale at jb hi-fi or buy off ebay you can't buy three years of this and just go whack 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 and be, be oh, ready I and see. outsmart the system it has to end in order to top it off before they do these changes yeah makes yeah. sense so okay. they're, they're saying you can't buy 10 cards and and put all those keys in and, and be locked in from now until 2032 you can uh it's there. Yeah, they're capping you with that twelve-month run, Got just him. to avoid you, yeah, skirting the rules, so to speak. But uh, it's interesting. It's very interesting. And something else that's this interesting you've chucked in the docket here is uh, Activision's team Ricochet uh, has unveiled several new ways they're working against cheaters in a new blog post, including a rollout for the PC kernel-level anti-cheat driver for Call of Duty Vanguard. Uh, but this week, the newest technique they announced is called cloaking, which has been unveiled, and it heavily affects a player's gameplay ability. So cloaking stops cheating players from seeing opposing players in the game world while the non-cheating players can see said cheaters. So if you're rolling around Warzone trying to get all those kills and you're being a dirty hacker, uh, cloaking makes every player on the map invisible to you where they can see you, you dirty hacker, and still gun you down. So this is hilarious and fantastic and I love it because cheaters in games... In the bin. Yeah, it's so disheartening when you find a cheater in a game. Um, Call of Duty is pretty prominent for cheaters. Um, and I always love it when studios find new creative ways to punish cheaters, where it's like they, you know, they try to do IP bans or, you know, account bans and everything like that. And obviously they find ways around. So I guess by affecting just their overall gameplay. Um, seems like a really good way to um to really switch it up, and like overall, they they've actually been working on software that tracks them, and tracks their movements, and tracks their like what they've been up to, which I think is also been helping um isolate like who these cheaters are and being able to isolate this experience of cloaking. And I'm sure they're actually working on other things as well. Sadly, when it comes to cheating. People out there find other ways around it, so they usually drop some more stuff out there. But, I mean, let's keep being creative. Let's keep on making the experience fun for us, for those of us that don't cheat. And we get to see some of those idiots out there looking around, not, you know, not being able to see everyone else playing the game. So, Yeah, it's... it's you know, and, and talking back to even just the PlayStation Plus memberships and stacking, you know, people like to find their little hacks and, and get out ahead and in in their minds win. And and that happens with these cheaters. And I've got no interest in doing that kind of nonsense because it's a hollow victory in that regard. But some of these people go mad for it. You know, they're mad hacks and they can hack their way into the bottom of the map and then just shoot you up through the, up through the floor or through the earth. And it's just like, what enjoyment do you get out of this, Mr. or Mrs. Hacker? Like, it's so stupid. But, uh, yeah, this cloaking uh, that uh, Team Ricochet is implementing for Warzone and, and the other you know, live live games that are going to fall under un, into Vanguard is fantastic. And, yeah, just, just cheaters, get out of here. You've got no place in our games because it just takes the fun out of it. So it's nice that they've got a dedicated anti-cheat team like with this ricochet crew there yeah. under Activision. So that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Um, something else that ties into that uh, Call of Duty universe. So this past week, 
after we got a, a teaser announcement uh, just before THG 280, Infinity Ward has revealed the first official logo for Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare 2 is a sequel to 2019's Modern Warfare reboot rather than a remake of 2009's original Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Besides the logo, no new details about the game have been currently revealed. The logo... Yeah, okay. It, uh, don't give much away. It's um, a white M and W and then the green, um, you know, Roman numeral 2 in between, sort of um, finishing off the M and starting the W off. That's fine. It is what it is. Mm. M-Dubs 2 is the Call of Duty game that really, really, really hooked me. This oh, really? was like peak Xbox 360 online gaming time with the Soda Crew back in the day and we are playing every night for many hours so it's going to be fun to get back in and see if the boys are still roaming around they want to <laughs> you know pop some heads and uh i'm looking forward to it what about you miss hart you you jumping back in you jumping in for the first time maybe yeah i'm trying to think if i actually had an experience with modern warfare in my call of duty days um way back when um but I mean, I haven't really been super hyped for Call of Duty. I, I enjoyed some of the recent content and obviously got back into some of the PvP um, multiplayer stuff, which was fun. Uh, I unfortunately, didn't like hold hold my interest for as long as they probably had hoped. Uh, this logo, I mean, it's simple. I, I I can see what it's meant to be showing off, but my favorite was a lot of people were comparing it to the Nine Inch Nails. Uh, logo. Oh yeah, yeah. Good call. <laughs> so um, that kind of made me laugh quite a bit, and just usually, we, and obviously, when it comes to creativity and people coming up with a lot of ideas, and the internet being as you know as like suggestive and just imprints in your mind, um, it's kind of hard to come up with original ideas right now. So I can kind of see how that you know how those connections can be made, and maybe where ideas and concepts could have been you know grabbed from. But eh. I'm, I, we'll see more from it. it. They've only just dropped the logo. They really haven't dropped any more information. So this is just a little teaser, I guess. Yeah, may, maybe we get some over this next uh, expo season coming up, typically yeah. in that US run in you know mm. that June, in that June July, and then through to through to August and you know, things and Summer Games Fest and stuff like that. So. True. We'll, we'll get some slices of this and then uh, see this game making its way to console and PC in that October-November release slate, as is tradition with Call of Duty. So uh, get excited. Uh, another little quick throwaway. So uh, overnight, Call of Duty maker Activision Blizzard announced that its stockholders have agreed officially to Microsoft's proposal to purchase the publisher. The transaction is expected to close during Microsoft. Microsoft's fiscal year ending in June 30 of 2023. During the special meeting held overnight, more than 98% of the shares were in favor of the acquisition deal. So there was obviously some skepticism from within certain groups when the announcement was made several months ago. And uh, the Federal Trade Commission was closely monitoring the purchase as well as US senators were pushing back yeah. and saying the purchase shouldn't go ahead. It was a whole thing. It was a it's big, big thing, uh, yeah. hullabaloo. But looks like for now it is moving forward without too many hurdles, and uh, yeah, Activision Blizzard will officially be part of Microsoft's greater team in the coming months slash years. So uh, yeah, little little quick update on that one. 
the next bit of news that came out, Gameloft has unveiled an upcoming new Disney and Pixar gaming project, a life sim adventure game called Disney Dreamlight Valley. It's coming to PC and consoles in 2023. Disney Dreamlight Valley takes place in the titular Dreamlight Valley, where a bevy of Disney and Pixar characters have lost their memories after a mysterious event called the Forgetting <laughs> uh, left their um, called the Forgetting that left their village full of strange plants called Night Thorns. Players will customize their own character, build friendships with the townspeople, and help them recover their memories. Alongside interacting with the Disney villagers, players will also get to customise their own homes and towns in a number of Disney-themed locales and can follow Disney stories and minigames with characters like Goofy, Ariel, Mickey, Simba, Moana, Remy, and more. There's fishing and cooking activities too and lots of outfits to customise characters with inspired by... Uh, and customise characters with inspired by various Disney properties. So we are getting a Disney... Animal Crossing slash, mm -hmm. oh my god, I'm blanking on the what's the Stardew the Valley. Start, yeah, we're getting a Disney Stardew Valley meets Animal Crossing experience. It's free to play. See, there's going to be some sneaky microtransactions in the of back course. of that to offset the free to play. Of course. But uh, next year, are you going to be jumping into Disney Dreamlight Valley? I'm weird about this one right because there's a lot of elements about this game that kind of screams like kitty like it's for kids like there's a kid element to it but then there's just like little things that they popped in there and I love that the last line pretty much called out to both of us where they're like this fishing and cooking mm -hmm. got you bitches um, so I don't know like I, I'll have to see wait and see more of um, information when this releases because there's some kind of cute things about it I want to know how customizable your house is I want to know like exactly how non-linear the game is like I want to know if mm -hmm. it's one of those games where you're kind of just living or building a game like living a game your own way essentially kind of doing the narrative that suits you i don't know it, it, it's piqued my interest but i wouldn't say i'm 100 percent on board i'm skeptical yeah i am i'm listening to game loft here i am excited to probably dive into this and get way too deep way too fast and probably never play it for you know a few years and my, <laughs> my disney my disney residence gets overrun with more night thorns or something like that like i know that's pretty cool <laughs> night thorns if this yeah, if this is going to be pretty much Disney's version of an Animal Crossing, you know, that's the, that's the easiest comp for me because that's that's my most familiar experience. I've, I've dabbled with Sarge. Oh, by the way, but... I went back to Animal Crossing. Oh, really? Yeah, just oh, really? So How was it? I was pretty good, actually. I, you know, everyone gave me sass about, you know, where the fuck have I been? <laughs> it was all right. <laughs> <laughs> no villages have left? No, no. No villages yet. Well, that's nice. Hmm. That's nice. But, um... Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued by this game and I will play it in 2023 for how long no one knows but like yeah if, if I can make myself in in uh you know in Dreamlight Valley and hang out and befriend people like Goofy and Donald Duck and whoever else no doubt we're going to see probably crossover to broader Disney owned franchises like if we could see Ellen Ripley hanging out in the house beside me and I can walk around in a in a loader I'm down. Like, let's let's be friends with Ellen Ripley, or let's be friends with Mandalorian, or whatever. Like, there's so much potential as far as bizarre crossovers, and we'll just call them villages for now. You know, people mm -hmm. living in Dreamlight Valley with you, but this could go everywhere. And I am all for the insanity 
that will follow. Like if I can go fishing with Donald Duck and Yoda or some <laughs> weird combination like that sure. and we can go catch weird fish and then cook them up. Well, yeah, you would be able to, because they said you'd be able to establish your home in a little neighborhood in all of these different Disney universes. So you might be able to build a house in Star Wars land maybe. Yeah, if I, if I can build a, you know, I can have a, a winter getaway in Hoth. You know, Ooh. I can go up there and, and, and spend my winters in the snow-capped area and then I can come back to, I don't know, Disneyland itself and, and live in a wing of the of the main castle. Like, I'm, I'm interested and I am curious to see how hamstrung you're going to be with the free-to-play. Like, are they going to gatekeep this game out the wazoo? Yeah. For you to actually get the full experience, you've got to drop that cheddar, but... We'll find out um, in the coming months as this makes its way to yeah PC and consoles next year. But uh, I'm I'm down for some Disney Dreamlight Valley, and from the from the announcement trailer, like graphically, it looked pretty impressive. It looks pretty polished. It, like you know, it it didn't look like you know crazy graphic fidelity, but like it it looked it looked polished. It looked clean. Yeah, for Disney clean. stuff. Good. Yeah. So I'm in. Like I'm 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 a, and as you said, like I was just picturing that um that Vince McMahon meme that does the rounds where he's sitting there and he's he like oh, his yeah. level of satisfaction escalates oh. and then it gets to fishing and cooking. He's like, Oh <laughs> you know? that's that's how that uh that announcement read for me. Yeah. Uh but the the last bit of news we're gonna be tackling, um, much different in tone, hmm. much less uh much less positive compared to uh Disney Dreamlight Valley. And uh veteran developer Yuji Naka has hit out at his former publisher, Square Enix, after a court case over his removal as director of Balan Wonderland has officially concluded. Naka is best known for his work on Sonic the Hedgehog, Fantasy Star, and Nights into Dreams. And in a series of tweets, Naka said that Square Enix is no good and that neither they nor... Uh, and that neither they nor co-developer Artzest are companies that care about games or fans. Oof. Naka had served as the director of Balan for much of its development, but was removed from the post about six months before the game was released. He resigned from Square Enix shortly after Balan was released and filed a lawsuit against the company. He also floated the idea of retiring from the game's industry for good. In his thread, Naka cited two reasons for his last-minute dismissal. First was he voiced concerns about promotional work with a YouTuber, who was to perform and release sheet music for a piano arrangement of the game's music. And Naka said, I thought it was strange that we would only release an arrangement of the game's music and furthermore use a ghostwriter to produce that arrangement. I got in trouble for arguing that we should release the original score. Naka also cited tensions between himself and Artsess surrounding his comments that the game was submitted in an unfinished state. With known issues left unfixed, I believe that games should be made by working hard until the very end, until it's a good game that the team thinks their fans enjoy when they buy it, he wrote. While mostly focusing on uh, focusing his ire on Square Enix and Artsest, Naka also thanked those who provided comments and fantastic illustrations inspired by the game and offered his sincere apologies to those customers who bought the unfinished Balan Wonderland. So obviously Balan Wonderland released in March of last year. Mm. Metacritic score as 36 on the Switch and it oh. peaked on 51 on the PlayStation 5. But uh, yeah, there is a lot of discourse surrounding this game. Obviously, there was there was issues with this game that could lead to seizures. There was yeah. some some sort of um, risk there to to people's health playing the game. The game was severely broken at launch, and yeah, the studio head was ultimately removed. It feels like for voicing the displeasure of hey, we can't release an unfinished game here. Let's yeah. give it more time in the oven. They said, you know what, Yuji. 
get to stepping. You're out of here. You're too, you're too vocal. We don't need this negative energy around this negative released game anyway. And, uh, yeah, now it's gone through the courts. Well, it's about, yeah, like it, it's good to hear it. Like it's actually, you know, really good to hear it for essentially from the horse's mouth of just like someone who had been amongst it and in the process and fully stood up for what he believed in, in, you know, producing a product that is ready and, you know, like it's a it's a pride thing if you're working on something that you feel like very like prideful in and then someone kind of tells you to just send it out there and you yourself know that it's not ready like it's disheartening and knowing that the people out there that you know are meant to be helping and pushing that are pushing against you and not caring about your concerns not caring about your essentially your you know your artistic drive and like what your your vision is and just saying nah just just throw it out there and then getting the scores it got as well like Mm -hmm. it's the whole experience must be horrible so it's pretty pretty good that like naka came out here and just like voiced it out aired out all the dirty laundry and just said hey i knew it wasn't ready i stood up for like you know making sure that it wasn't released until it was done but you know the studio said no, we're going. We're going to release it, and you need to, you know, kick rocks. Stop kicking up a stink. So, I'm sure this is just a small fragment about all the, you know, all the other studios that are out there where we see these games that get released and, you know, either have bugs or feel unfinished or unpolished. And I'm sure it's quite a similar tale on, you know, people, you know, below the studio, people, the artistic people below that are trying to make something brilliant and then just being constantly pushed by the money bags yeah like like square's a big beast obviously oh, and, and we've seen various um comments of them made where where games perform well and then they turn around and say oh this game underperformed even though it turned a profit and stuff so you can yeah, see true. where the priorities lie and, and square's not the only one there's plenty of these these big publishers that uh are more concerned about the the bottom line and, and I get that in business but it's very interesting like I did some digging and I couldn't really see any more um, information as far as this court case and, and like it was settled so I don't know if maybe they've reached a settlement fee and it's just going to be um, under some kind of NDA so we're never, never going to hear any further details but uh, yeah now that the court case is over hence the hence the thread that came from, from Yuji Naka there but it's a shame because yeah it showed that he cares and wanted just wanted the best for this game and for his studio to to release this thing fully finished so the fans can have a good time and instead we got this busted ass game that induced seizures and and wasn't anywhere near the expectation that he that he wanted to meet essentially became a joke yeah it came it became a joke and a black mark and and sadly it's you know he's going to be indirectly attached to this game a little bit too because he was the, the the lead runner for it for so long and yeah, like he did get removed six months out, but yeah, it's you feel for him because this is this is on his record for for good too. But hopefully, hopefully, he doesn't get out of the industry for good and, and keeps making games because he's a very talented individual, yeah. and uh, I think he's got more to give us gamers out there. But uh, yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens. This this ain't going to be the first disgruntled employee action we're probably going to cover this year. That's, that's for sure. True. That's for sure. But yeah, that brings us to the end of the news component of THG 281. Uh, But if you're looking for things to do this coming week, we got you covered. New releases and events. 
for some other podcasts outside of the other podcast in your usual rotation that is not tied to 8-bit. Obviously, we've got the Trek to Yomi spoiler cast dropping in the next couple of days. TV, we've got the Moon Knight finale this week. And holy guacamole was episode five, one of my favorite TV episodes I've watched this year. Why, yes, it was. It was great. Oscar Isaac, to no one's surprise, he's a hell of an actor. And just his ability to carry scenes on screen where it's just him and a green screen for the most part or him and him and a green screen or, you know, whatever else. He's so good and I love him in this role and that fifth episode just home run for me so I can't wait to see where they go for the the finale. Uh, I've obviously got Halo Episode 7 coming out this week as well. The uh, the tension with Master Chief and Dr. Halsey continues to boil over so we'll see what happens there. Movies though... Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness coming out this week and I've already got tickets booked. I can't go watch it on the Thursday because I'm traveling all this week. So I'm not going to watch it until next Sunday. So it won't be able to give me or give you any, excuse me, any hot takes for THG 282. But are you going to watch it before now? And no. We record next? No. Crazy Marvel fans trying to watch a movie, <laughs> every, you know, weekend of release. No. no I'll, keep, I'll keep my sanity. Thank you. So uh, yeah, we'll have some we'll have some feedback on Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness on episode two eighty three. Mm. But uh, to say I'm excitement is an understatement. No, to say I'm excited is an understatement. I carry much excitement though, that is for sure. So let's see what Sam Raimi and Co can do with that. Games coming out this week. We've got the Sifu Vengeance Edition dropping on May second. Dungeon Defenders Awaken. Loot River, Overcooked, All You Can Eat, making its way to the Stadia. I keep forgetting that the Stadia is still a thing. Same. But uh, power to Google for Chug still, uh, yeah, seeing what they can do to uh, get blood out of that stone. And then the last game coming out this week, Trek to Yomi, coming out on all the platforms. And as, as mentioned a few times now, we do have a spoiler cast covering that off. So you can check that out, get our opinions before maybe you chuck some cash towards this fantastic side-scrolling action adventure slash fest. All right, let's jump into the last part of the pod. Tweet of the week. And this tweet comes by way of at Xbox and it reads, save the date, exclamation point. Catch the Xbox and Bethesda game showcase on June 12th at 10 a.m. Pacific time, uh, which translates to a very, 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 very early start for us here in Australia on June the 13th. But uh, yeah, the, the first of many game showcases in that E3 typical time yeah. slot are starting to get announced. And I am excited to see so much Starfield. And maybe, maybe we'll get something more than just a floating <laughs> graphic on new uh, Elder Scrolls. It's just so... <laughs> I'm not going to hold my breath. I know people are going to ask me and I'm probably going to say that I want to see it, but I'm not going to hold my breath. I, please surprise me. Please shock me. Please, yeah. Just yeah. Give me something. I wonder what else we're going to see here, but I am super keen because obviously there's a ton of studios in uh, in, in sort of that broader broader crew there yeah. with, with uh, Bethesda and Zenimax and everything else that sort of falls under there. So mm. let's see what they're going to bring to us on June 12th. But I'm excited. Chuck that in your calendar. <laughs> There's going to be many more showcases announced between now and June where we're going to see all kinds of studios, devs, publishers and such getting involved and uh, sharing their wares with us. So, uh, yeah, showcase season is nearly upon us, Miss Hart. Exciting times. 
Oh yeah, but Miss Hart, that brings us to the end of episode 281 of THG. Anything you want to say or shout out before we shut down the studio? Yeah, good friend I Know NATO or NATO. Uh, he has released a podcast. If uh, people want to check it out, give him some love. Outback Rune Terror. Yeah, check it out. Anyone that's um, a, a League of Legends fan mm-hmm. or the various other subsets in the broader Rune Terror universe, or anyone who's watched like Arcane on Netflix, uh, check it out. This is a, a great deep dive for for casuals and tried and true fans of that world alike. So it's very accessible. There's no real barrier to entry. We've got uh, your NATO, the the resident Rune Terror savant and mm. fountain of knowledge and then we've got zach who is uh you know one of the many very talented individuals out there doing a lot of role play and dnd yeah. work uh he's he's new to that world so nato sort of hand holding zach through these stories and and histories and um it's it's a good listen so yeah outback rune terror check it out rate view subscribe that on your podcast player of choice and uh chuck it in your rotation yeah all right listeners that brings us to the end of episode 281 of THG. Obviously, be sure to rate, view, subscribe us and all the other podcasts on your podcast player of choice because it costs no time, takes no money, and means an awful lot to all of us out there. So uh, we would be very thankful of that, uh, yeah, especially if you can chuck us that cheeky five stars on Spotify. But yeah, we're out of here for another week. Ape Nation, thanks again. Much love. And stay hungry. You've been listening to The Hungry Gamers, one of many gaming and geek culture-related podcasts from the 8-Bit Collective over on 8bit.net. Check out more episodes on your podcast service of choice. And while you're there, please be sure to rate and subscribe. Until next time, boys and girls, stay hungry. Stay hungry.